It's not because God is hesitating or won't carry out his promise. No, Peter actually gives us, marvelously reveals to us the reason why God seems to be taking so long. Instead, he's not slow, but he is patient with you. What well, seems like God's delay is actually God's response in love for you. This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Peace in Arizona. September 25th, 2022, 2 Peter 3, 1-14. In the year 1220, the Archbishop of North Yorkshire in England decided he was going to build a house of worship that would rival really many others around in the area and actually would end up being one of the most renowned in all of Northern Europe. So construction began roughly 1230 as two of the buildings were built and it took about 30 years, but after three decades, finally, the two initial buildings were built. But progress went on decade after decade on the, the rest of the cathedral. In fact, the 13th century came and went and the cathedral was not yet finished. One of the central towers at one point fell down and had to be rebuilt. There was a fire and an area got burned and had to be repaired. There were decades where there was disrepair and there were decades where there was construction. The 13th century went on. The 14th century came and went and still construction was underway. Even midway through the 15th century, the project was still underway. You can imagine people would have been looking at that cathedral, not yet finished with all its scaffolding and construction and thinking, Will this ever really be done? Finally, in 1472, the last part of the 15th century, after 250 years, it was dedicated, the Cathedral of St. Peter, known today as York Minster. 250 years. Some projects take longer than maybe we might anticipate. How about God's timing? God's plans and his projects can carry on for not just centuries, but thousands and thousands of years. To the point where some people in this world will look at the plans that God reveals in scripture and they'll scoff at it and mock saying, God's not gonna do that. Look at the way things have gone. But today, as we finish our series looking at 2 Peter, Peter reminds us that God's timetable is different from our timetable. And the way that he operates and carries out his plan is far different from our understanding. So Peter gives us some insight as he closes his letter and reminds us that as we go from darkness to dawn, waiting for that new day that God has spoken of, the day of the Lord and the beginning of a new creation, Peter says, as we go from darkness to dawn, remember, the day is coming soon. Peter says here, this is his second letter. As he writes to these Christians, he says, I've written these to wake you up, to make sure that you are spiritually alert and awake because he knows they're in this dark world. They face the false teachers that we heard about last time. And Peter wants them to be spiritually alert and awake. And as he writes, he actually is writing not to those who 
are falling asleep spiritually or struggling. No, these are those who he says have been firmly established in the truth. And here he actually, if you look at the Greek, it says he's writing to those who have sincere minds. These are Christians who know the truth and who are established in the truth, but Peter wants to make sure they don't fall asleep, spiritually speaking, in this dark world while they wait for the coming dawn. And how does God make us stay spiritually alert? Peter says, I want you to remember, to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and by the command spoken through the apostles, the command of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, it is the powerful word of God that he uses to keep us spiritually alert and awake in this dark world. This word is that light shining in a dark place that Peter mentioned in chapter one. And so once again, he points us to the word. It is this word that makes us ready. And not all though will look at the flickering light of God's word in this dark world and consider it to be something good. Peter says, you must understand firstly that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. There'll be those who look at the flickering light of God's word, they'll see his promises, and they'll mock God's plans and God's timing. And they'll be saying things like, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything has gone on as it has since the beginning of creation. Ironically, they'll acknowledge that there's a powerful creator, but they won't acknowledge that he's going to fulfill the things he's revealed in the word of God in the scriptures. That God's plans are so long in coming, God will never really come. Peter contrasts these mockers by saying they follow their own evil desires rather than the prophets, who he said earlier were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they follow their evil desires and, and mock God's timing, they're not too different from those we see around us. If Peter, who writes here about the middle of the 60s AD, can warn about those who will come and mock regarding God's timing, how much more won't we see today, thousands of years later, people mocking that God has delayed or hasn't fulfilled his plans throughout history? They'll look like the people might have looked sometimes at uh, York Minster and say, it's never going to be done. It's not going to happen. And they'll see God's working in his plans and he'll say, God's not going to intervene. We see that. People who forget what God has done, how God intervenes in history. There are people today, perhaps they're the Christians who follow the teaching of evolution, and they'll say, this world has existed for perhaps five billion years, and the sun will go on for another five billion or more. Everything just goes on the same. We're just a little blip in history. And by that, they're saying, God doesn't really intervene in history. God doesn't really care about what we do right now. Or some will say that this world is going to continue until some asteroid strikes it or some volcano, some major eruption happens and demolishes this world. But we don't have to worry about that. That likelihood of that happening is so slim. We have several thousands, tens of thousands of years left. And some will even say that there's a, a doomsday, a so-called doomsday clock, that this world will be coming to an end. And they, they claim that we're now at about 100 seconds from midnight, the end. 
and they do acknowledge there'll be an end. But what they fail to acknowledge and never would acknowledge is that that end will come at the hand of our God, that God will intervene in history and he will bring an end to this world. Peter says regarding those who mock God's timing and who deny that he'll come again, he says, they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And that these waters of the world at that time, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. In other words, the evolutionists, the Christians who take on the name because they say things like our fathers, they, they have an affinity with Christians, they say, but they don't believe that God intervenes. They deny the things like the flood. They deny things like the powerful creation by the word of God. Peter says they deliberately forget that this world was formed by the word of God and that the world was destroyed in God's judgment. Many Christians who try to take the teaching of evolution deny that there was a great flood. Why? Because they deny the miraculous intervention of God, the miraculous intervention of God to judge and destroy a world filled with sinners. And Peter says, by this same word of God, the one that once destroyed this world in the flood, he says, by this same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Peter says, God does have a plan. It's called the day of the Lord and God will intervene. It's like this world has a reservation date in the courtroom of God. And though we don't know the time, we might set a hundred seconds from midnight, but we're not in charge of this judgment. We cannot avert this disaster by our own efforts. It's all in God's hands and by his time. And God will work again to intervene in the history of this world. And he will destroy everything by fire. The York Minster, your house, everything in this world will be burned up in the intense heat of God's fiery judgment. God will intervene. And so people will mock, where is God's intervention? But Peter says, understand this, God's timing is not like our timing. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Now this sounds like a paradox, but it's a statement held in tension because we cannot fully comprehend how God understands time. God is beyond time, and his timing is always perfect. It might seem like to us, that God's timing is longer than we might anticipate. But God's timing is never longer than he anticipates. And his understanding of time is far above ours. The Lord is not slow, Peter says, in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. You know, I was helping someone earlier this week by helping them to work on a, a problem they had with their computer. And then a window popped up and said, one moment, processing. After what felt like a long several moments, the person I was helping said, this is a lot longer than my moments usually are. Of course, we didn't see what the computer was doing in the background. It was processing information. You know, God is not like a computer that he has need of time to process things, but we don't see what he's doing. 
And also, I had a, earlier this week, my three-year-old come up to me and ask if she could use the desk that I was using in our house. And so I said, just a minute. Of course, it's just a, a figurative expression that means pretty soon you can. She can't gauge what a minute is. And to her, after five seconds, it was too long. That's our perception in, in God's timing. When God says, soon, we have no idea how to gauge that time. God is not slow as some understand slowness. In fact, the reason God has not yet carried out what he has promised is not because he is slow. It's not because he has to, to do more processing or thinking. It's not because God is hesitating or won't carry out his promise. No, Peter actually gives us, marvelously reveals to us the reason why God seems to be taking so long. Instead, he's not slow, but he is patient with you. What seems like God's delay is actually God's response in love for you. Notice Peter applies this to us first. God is patient with us. We should marvel that God does not destroy us in our sin right here and now because of what sins we have committed, but God is patient. And he's patient with us for all the, the times that we've turned aside from him. And not just patient with us. In his great mercy, it says, he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is patient with your neighbor. Yes, even your neighbor who maybe has shown that they're perhaps a racist, or your neighbor who has maybe shown that they're a drunkard or abusive and addicted to drugs. God is patient with them. God is patient with your friend or your family member who continues in willful sinning, thinking God will not judge or intervene. He's patient with this entire world even patient with those who mock him. That is the wonderful mercy of our God. The reason he hasn't responded with his fiery judgment yet, Peter says, is because of his great patience, wanting no one to perish. God does not desire that this world falls under his judgment, but rather that everyone comes to repentance, turns from the depravity and wickedness of sin, and because of his merciful call and his love, turns to his merciful forgiveness. And instead of perishing, finds life with him. That's the reason why God's timing is the way it is. His timing is based off of his mercy and his love for sinners like you and me and all this world. God is patient. Consider his great patience when the Son of God came to this world. They would mock him and say, Nazareth, as they looked at the ordinary man Jesus, can anything good come from there? But in great patience, Jesus dealt with men like Nathaniel and others and led them to repentance and faith in him. He led them to see the God who keeps his plans as God kept his plan and his promise to come the first time. And even as the mockers gathered around him and the, the Son of God was hanging on the cross in agony and they mocked, he saved others. Let him save himself. And now he can't. Even as they mocked him, he hung there in patience because he came for those who mocked him, 
He came for this world lost in darkness. And he didn't come there to save himself. He came for the mockers in order to save them, to bear the justice and the agony in their place. That's the love, the marvelous love of our God, desiring that even those who mock him would come to repentance and not perish. Peter says, the day of the Lord will come and it will come like a thief, something unexpected. And for those of you who see the great patience of our God and who trust in him, that day is a day to look forward to because the heavens will disappear. This world and everything will be destroyed. But as we wait for God's coming, we know that day which brings about the destruction of the heavens and all the elements in keeping with God's promise. After his great patience, we will see him keep his promise for those who trust in him. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. And there, there will be no darkness. There will be no mockers. There will only be those who have the grace and the light of God. It says, where righteousness dwells. And as sure as Jesus rose from death on that bright morning of Easter and lives forever, he will come again. This coming he promised will happen. And when he comes, our bodies and our hearts will be made new and we will live in the light of God's glory and we will live in the home of the righteous and there will be righteousness, God himself, and there will be a new heavens and a new earth. It will be the beginning of a new day when Christ, the morning star, rises. And with new hearts, new bodies, we will live with him forever in his kingdom. That's a day to look forward to. You know, God's timing may not be what we anticipate, but his timing is always good a timing which he works in his great mercy for a world filled with mockers and sinners so that we can have life with him. And so that when we travel from darkness, we can look forward now to the coming dawn. And we know the morning, the new day is coming soon.